The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It is episode 37 of the Weekly Harvest Podcast, brought to you by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Weekings. My name is Chris Falico, Director of Game Day Operations and Community Relations with the Brandon Weekings. Uh, Brandon Crowell, myself, we, we are on this week's episode. You're going to hear just me right now off the top. And in typical fashion as of late, if it's not one thing, it's another. In the middle of our interview, all of a sudden, my microphone started making a weird noise. We didn't hear this while it was happening, only after it was all said and done. So we're going to go right into the interview. You're not going to hear uh, me and Crow uh, talk much uh, to each other this week. Next week, we're going to get this sorted out. Wanted to explain right into it this week with our special guest from Sportsnet, Sam Cosentino. And my mic, I, it's working again. So hopefully we got this figured out, but you'll hear what I mean about halfway through. Everybody else sounds great. Just, you lose these golden pipes. Courtesy of Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings, our guest this week on the Weekly Harvest. We're going uh, back down to uh, Sportsnet Studios to find one of the uh, most knowledgeable guys when it comes to junior hockey. Uh, You see him, you hear him, you read him all over Sportsnet. He's Sam Cosentino and... Uh, Sam, I, I joked before we clicked record that it's it's been a while since you've probably thought and or talked about the Brandon Wheat Kings, aside from maybe Braden Schneider and the World Juniors. But when was the last time that you were in a Western Hockey League building? Can you remember? Oh, boy. Well, it was it's going to be close to a year for sure. So, oh, the exact date. I, I, I remember kind of our last game. We were actually we were in Windsor, Ontario. So that's a. Uh, either a short flight or about a three and a half hour drive from from where I live. And I remember my partner, RJ Broadhead, uh, and I going into the coach's office there, uh, Trevor Litowski. And, you know, we went to go and say hi to him. And RJ was kind of all over this this COVID thing long before we were. We were cognizant of it, but really didn't think a whole lot about it. But his wife works in the news department for... Um, 680 News, which is a, you know, the, the, the news station here in town, the Rogers news station. And so he was kind of privy to what was going on. And RJ was like, nah, I'm, I'm not going to shake your hand. It'll be a fist pump and that's it. And, <laughs> you know, I was keeping distance and doing all of those things. And I remember I was going to fly home the next morning. We had one of the guys in our crew, uh, Greg Hood, who I was working with. And I said, Hey, I, I know you drove. Is there any way maybe right after the game you just drive me home? So, um, in fact, I was taking a small break to go and visit my family in Florida for three days in between games. And I got home and I got in the plane the next day. And two days later, we're like scrambling to get back home because we actually arrived home. I think it was maybe 10 hours after the mandatory 14 day quarantine was put in place. So that's how tightly everything worked for us. And so my recollections of really anything before that are, are kind of nil. Um, you know, it's been, it's been one big, uh, numbing pain ever since not being able to get into a rank and, and trying to work remotely. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the time when we get back into a Western hockey league rank. Uh, and for us, as you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It could be, 
you know, Swift Current brand in Winnipeg, you know, uh, Portland. I've been to Portland before Everett. Um, we'd be happy, Kamloops, Kelowna, to, to really go anywhere at this point. You know, it was now you're right. It was an absolute whirlwind when everything came to a stop. And now it's hard to believe that it's been at that stop for this amount of time. Uh, you know, good news from the WHL on Friday announcing that at least they have the intentions going forward to, to have some semblance uh, of a season. Um, how important is that, Sam, do you think really for the development of junior hockey to, to go forward in these conditions, trying their best when everything else is still shutting down? Well, it's been a real challenge because if you sit there and you look at the league is obviously the number one thing you're balancing is, is player and staff and, um, you know, coach safety and, and that sort of stuff. But you're also looking and saw, you know, the AJ played some games and the SJ's thinking about going back and the BCHL was going and you're looking at the USHL and they've been working around a schedule and you get the Quebec league going. So you're thinking to yourself while well, these other leagues are going and giving their uh, players an opportunity to develop. But really what it comes down to is that fine line. You, you want to provide the place for development, but you want that to be a, a safe place for your players and probably more sensitive than maybe they would have been, you know, five or six years ago with all the lawsuits, unfortunately, that have been um, levied against the, the CHL um, have obviously made things a lot more sensitive um, and I don't mean that in a way to say that if it were five years ago, we just ran everyone back in a rank and say, go get them. Uh, but I do think that, you know, that player safety has become more front of mind maybe than it ever has as a result of those things. So I think it's a, a you know, a situation where, yeah, you, you kind of owe it to your players to give them that opportunity to develop uh, for many of them, you know, the late O twos and the O threes, um, their opportunity to be in their first year draft eligibility is, is a huge thing. But by the same token, Man, you'd you'd be in tough in, in some um, you know some of the promises when you look in Alberta and what's going on there, you know even in, in Manitoba there going back a week or so ago things are things are pretty rough. So you do have to take those things into consideration, no question. And that's been a real tough balance for, for Ron Robinson to try and the Board of Governors really to try and achieve. And not only is it um, you know the the Western Hockey League development and, and and potential NHL and professional prospects, but you know I, I live in a small town of, of Verdon, just outside of of Brandon, and yeah. you know minor hockey's huge here. You look tonight; it's a big night in Verdon because Wyatt Kalnick is is getting a shot with Chicago in their inner squad game, and you know that's that's a big thing. And and minor hockey plays such an important role in these small towns. But when you look at the the kind of the fall down domino effect, you know, you don't play for a year at at 17 or 18. You're probably not going to lose a whole lot of skill. You might have to knock some rust off, but you'll get right back at it. But looking down the line, right down to, you know, the the younger kids, what do you think the long term effects are going to be of of these kids not playing in a competitive game for almost a full year? Well, yeah, I think it's it's probably going to start somewhere at the top, to be honest with you. And I think the NHL might, uh, you know, end up looking at what they're going to do with their draft. And, you know, if they move the, the, the birth date age for the NHL draft up to 19, which has that case has been made before, maybe it allows everything to fall in place thereafter. I mean, I know the WHL is already putting in in place some plans for their draft which will be a total oddity i believe they're going to have it in december so at least give you know the i think it's the old fives that they're draft now an opportunity to you know to be able to play some games where where people can actually see them so it, it it's you have to think about fairness to the player you have to be, think about fairness to the team as well because 
you know, the lifeblood of any uh, junior hockey franchise is its ability to draft and develop players. And as you get closer to being a contending team, then of course you might move some pieces and, and trade away some of your future of, of course, to, you know, to satisfy what the immediate looks like for you, um, which, you know, especially fans and Brandon have, have seen that happen before. So you have to be really cognizant of that. So I think it really is going to start at the top. And I think, once the NHL season gets going and if they do find some flow to it and it's going well, then the conversation will slowly turn to what the draft is going to look like, even though some of those dates are in place. Uh, but that may very well have a, have a trickle-down effect in what we see Quebec League, uh, Ontario League, and, and of course in the Western League. And So is it really fair to, to be drafting those players? Is it fair to those families? But equally as important, is it really fair to the teams where they haven't been able to get you know proper viewings of, of the kids that they're, they're trying to build their franchises around? So, Sam, got to ask now, let's switch things to a little bit lighter because it's been very serious so far. In the off time, I know a lot of uh, a lot of people have kind of done different hairstyles, different facial hair. For those that are listening, they're not going to be able to see, but there is, of course, the the video component of the podcast here. Uh, I have had very poor facial hair that we've had to. I've been trying to go throughout. You have got quite the facial hair getup. Is that what you had the whole time, or has that just been lately? You've been having fun with it. What's been your quarantine hair situation? Yeah, we've been we've been fooling around with it a little bit, and they call it kind of like a bars and flow, and some of the Instagram live stuff I've been doing. It just slide <laughs> a little hashtag in there called bars and flow, and tuck it away so you can't really see it, just to see, you know, what kind of uh, kind of viewership it might bring. But <laughs> yeah, just changing it up a little bit. Honestly, I don't think I've had hair this long, probably since I was in grade six or seven. So. Um, you know, you can look up my, my age, but that is a long, long time ago. And, you know, it's funny because one of the, one of the guys that we, you know, I've played uh, Monday night hockey, just pick up with a bunch of buddies and this goes back, oh, geez, probably 25, 27 years now. And one of the guys that we play with regularly is Dennis Marouk. And Dennis is always quick to point out, you know, he's one of 26 or 27 60 goal guys the NHL has ever had and he always goes back and points to his stats even at you know his age of 60 plus he's still moving around guys that are that are a lot younger and so he's always quick to point it out so as a little ode to to Maruki uh went with the old handlebars there just to switch things up a little bit and uh, you know do a little work down here so it's uh it's been fun you know I get I get my chops busted by some of the guys over at Sportsnet, but uh, yeah, it's been fun and just just something to change it up. You know, like I think one of the things about the situation we're in right now is that um, you, you have an opportunity where maybe you're not always in the suit and tie, and maybe not you're not always in the most formal of settings, um, and so you get an opportunity maybe to just to show off a different side of your personality than what we might normally have that opportunity to do, and so. As part of that, I'll just flip this around for you guys. I don't know if you can see it, but Sportsnet here, it's going into the office. I think you can see it now. They were able to install a camera here for me during COVID, um, you know, especially to be able to talk about the World Junior. So, you know, we did, we did kind of have still had that Sportsnet platform. And then, you know, you've got a different crowd that you're, uh, you know, we're kind of being encouraged to, to increase our, our social media presence, which as you guys know, hasn't been one of my strong suits. And so just doing things a little bit differently and, and just giving off a little bit of a different look and a little ode to Maruki never heard either, I guess. <laughs> well, I, Chris and I have been joking all like when we were doing this back in March, when we were just kind of getting shut down, you know, him and I both had 
you know, some great hockey flow. You know, you get it all <laughs> slicked back for the Jumbotron and for whatever pregame videos. Well, about a month ago, I finally just, you know, I, you can't get to a barber. You can't go sit down in a chair and, you know, have your guy cut it. So I went over to my in-law's house and I sat down at the kitchen table and I said to my mother-in-law, get the, get the clippers. You're taking it all off right to the wood. <laughs> and yeah. she probably asked me because, I mean, she knows, you know, I wear the suits and you're on the, the, the camera all the time in the TV. And she said, are you sure? Probably 15 times before she finally put the clippers to the forehead and away she went. And I, I haven't well, regretted it yet, but I haven't had a camera pointed at me yet. So, Well, I guess based on looking at it, I guess I, we know what the mother-in-law thinks about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, no, uh, it was pretty funny. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you, he, Chris made, uh, made light of, of the hair and the mustache. But a lot of people uh, have tried to find things to do to, during this whole time off. And I don't know if you've noticed this. Now, I know you're not on Twitter. You may have a burner account or something to scroll through the news. No. But Trent Miner... A Brandon kid, draft pick of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. He took this time off to get his private pilot's license, and he graduated with his pilot's license like a couple of days ago. So, I mean, cool. for that's just a great story. Young kid just puts his mind to something and comes away with it. Your to do list, you know, from your from your family or your friends, so things you got to get done around the house, whatever. What, what did you get to get up to here in the last handful of months? Well, I guess I'm not flying from Brandon to Vancouver, so I didn't have to worry about getting the pilot's <laughs> license. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know what's it's been it's been a lot of family time, and I, and you know when I go back and, and look at my career, uh, basically you know the the heavy travel kind of started in 0304, um, and I got married in, in 2011. So I've never been home with my family as much as I've been this time around. I've never been home. Honestly, in the, in 20 years, I've never been home for this this stretch of time. So that it's been, um, you know, in some ways it's been challenging. I, I miss going to places, whether it's you know it's Brandon Swift Current across the country. That's that's one of the best parts of the job that we have is you kind of get to see these little subcultures and you get to see what the the teams mean in their respective uh, towns and you know you get a real sense of what what the fabric of junior hockey is like right across the country. So, you know, it's been, it's, it's, it sucked not to have some of that opportunity, but on the flip side of that, it's really given me time. I have young kids. Um, and so being able to hang out with them, you know, homeschooling has been a, been a bit of a challenge. We were into it towards the end of last year and we were good up until Christmas, but now uh, we're, we're heading back into that. Uh, this thing will go to air Tuesday. So we're heading back into that Monday, Monday morning. And we'll, we'll see how that goes. So been doing a lot of that. Um, you know, just been trying to stay focused on the draft and, and really stay focused on the job. So, you know, the world junior thing was, it was a lot of work because there was, you know, you'd have zoom calls two or three times a day, depending on, you know, if they were in camp or if they were, uh, once they got into the Edmonton bubble, um, then you're trying to watch games the rest of the tournament, not only to be able to speak knowledgeably about the tournament, but also to be able to speak um, and, and watch players for the draft. So as you guys know, that's one of my responsibilities at Sportsnet is to keep an eye on the draft. And, you know, rarely are you getting the kind of footage that we were able to witness at the World Juniors. You know, if I'm searching through the internet or using one of my, my video platforms that I used to, to kind of scout with. So I've uh, been really just keeping my eye on that stuff. Um, been trying to work on a project at the house uh, back in order, you know, with young kids, you, they grow to clothes quick and they go through toys quick. And so we're, <laughs> we're trying to do that and, you know, and trying to catch up with some friends, be it through zoom or through social media or, or, you know, or just through, through simple phone calls. So, 
Um, it's been enough stuff to, to keep us busy with the kids, but that's been where most of the time has been directed, you know, obviously trying to find creative ways to feed them and cook at home and try and get them involved in some cooking and some baking stuff and, and, you know, trying to get out in the snow whenever possible, uh, and get outdoors whenever possible. But really, I, I haven't taken the, you know, a Trent Minor like approach to, to what's happened in the Zoom. It's just kind of keeping on, keeping on really and, and doing it in a, in a little bit of a different way, uh, stationed here at home. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a great meme. Uh, it's it's uh, Maury Povich, and, and it says something along the lines of, uh, you know, if I only had a couple of weeks at home alone, I'd really get my house in order, and quarantine determined that was a lie. Right? So <laughs> that, was, yeah. that was kind of also what it is like around here, Sam. So I completely hear <laughs> yeah. Looking yeah, forward well, to it, looking forward also, you know, just getting back to the rink just to, you know, for for yeah, for the hockey, but you know, just to see everybody again, uh, you know, it's been a whole lot of these the Zoom calls. That is uh it's really impressive though, the fact that all that, you know, is happening in Edmonton and you're able to do all that from where we're looking at, you know, right now. Like you have the camera set up, you have the meetings, an incredible amount of technology on the broadcasting side and and to yeah. put it on, like let alone from the hockey and everything in the rink I'm talking, just everything has just been so technical now and bringing it into everybody's homes has just been amazing to see. It, it has been, Chris, and you know what? I, on, on one hand, it's good that we're still able to do the jobs that we're tasked with doing, and I and I appreciate that because it's kept, you know, kept me gainfully employed on the flip side of that. You never want that precedent to be set because in my opinion, as you guys know, you're, you're calling games. There's not like being live at the rink, talking to people, you know, getting, getting your notes done, talking to scouts, talking to whoever might be in, in the rink. That's where our jobs are, are, you know, are, are differentiated. The guys who, and the, and the women who are really good at it are doing their homework right up until puck drop. So you can do your research and you can look at stats and, and on paper and, and have all that stuff sorted out. But really what makes broadcasts interesting are the anecdotes that you can provide based on who you're talking to, coaches, you know, players, uh, scouts, all of the, the above that I mentioned before. Sometimes you run into an NHL GM, sometimes you run into a team owner. Um, that's what makes our jobs, um, I think, a lot more interesting are, are those types of conversations. So, and, and when you're calling a game, you can't call it off a screen. I mean, you can do it to get by, but in order to do the job properly, you have to be there. You can see, you know, if there's too many men on the ice, it's pretty clear to the color guy where, where it happened and why it happened, so on and so forth. There's penalties being taken, you know, and there's a whole bunch of things you can see. A guy left the game earlier because he was injured. You, you have a better sense of all that. So on one hand, I appreciate appreciate the technology for keeping me gamefully employed i hope it's not a precedent uh, moving forward that we're calling games from studio because I, I truly believe that the that the art in our business is is all the work you do right up until until the puck drops and then your kind of natural instincts take over after that well we're obviously pretty biased because ray ferraro is uh, is one of the greatest weekend goal scorers of all time yeah. and i'm sure you've heard that uh, a few times both from him and the jokes running yeah. uh, on tv but you know uh you, you got a chance to watch all the games albeit on your tv or on your computer or wherever you're watching from what did you take uh, about Braden Schneider's tournament? Now, obviously, it didn't start great uh, for him. He yeah. played like Braden Schneider plays, and in international hockey, that's a no-no. But after that, I thought he got better with every game, and I thought his last two games were the best games he played at the tournament. Just talk a little bit about Braden's tournament and maybe you know where you see him moving forward with the Rangers. 
Well, I think as as it wore on, you could tell he was getting more comfortable. He was becoming more assertive offensively. And there'd be times where he'd see him down in front of the goalie as, you know, the the support guy on, on the rush. And, you know, I'm sure in Brandon, you, you see that. But when you get into that national team situation, things are a little bit different. And there's no question that he was originally cast as a guy to be that tough, physical, stay-at-home, shutdown defense, in which you also play witness to in Brandon all the time. But I liked how he, he was feeling comfortable enough, uh, you know, with the systems, uh, with his partner, that, you know, that he became more assertive in that regard. And I think that's one thing about Brandon. Like, when I look at his game, I always thought that, um, you know, that's where he was going to make his mark. But I also felt that, after a certain amount of time, he'd also be a guy that would help, help contribute offensively. Now, again, when you look at his numbers in the Western Hockey League, the offensive numbers are not a problem. That That's something that's always been part of his game because he's been able to, you know, he shoots the puck, he can play power play, he can log a lot of minutes, he's a big guy, he can do all of those things. And then I think as you make that progression into pro, you almost have to take that step backwards and you have to realize what it is that, that got you there why you were drafted and then reestablish your, your, the other part of your game, the offensive side in Brandon's case to be able to do that. But one thing, you know, having met him a few times and really impressed them, I had a chance really to sit down with them for 10, 10 or 15 minutes at the prospects game. And um, I was really impressed of his self-awareness. And that's one thing that's really difficult because players in their draft year are so often focused on point production and point production. And that's it. Um, where when you have a guy like Dave Lowry behind the bench who can, uh, you know, be a testament to, I know who you are. I know what you're good at. This is what you're going to focus on. We'll worry about the other stuff later. So if Brandon uh, needed that reminder, he had a guy like Dave Lowry to, to help give him that reminder. But in my opinion, he was self-aware enough to know, hey, this is what I do. This is what I do well. This is how I'm going to make my mark. This is how I'm going to make it you know, on, on the world junior team, to be honest with you, I, I thought he was awesome last year because camp was about 10 minutes from my house. So I went to all the, all the camp games. I thought he had a real legit shot to make it last year. Um, and so that experience also served him well. So I, I was really impressed with his play, uh, somewhat surprised by how assertive he, he became by the end of the tournament. It was excellent to see it, because mentally, you know, we all know that, that the Western Hockey League, the OHL and the QMJHL, Amongst those three leagues, they all play differently, and the rules are maybe a little bit different between the three leagues. You always see it at the Memorial Mm -hmm. Cup, different things are called differently, whatever the case may be. But then you add the international side of it, and it completely changes because everything is just that much more strict and, you know, everything that comes along with it. But, you know, the thing was when Braden laid that first hit uh, against Team Germany, uh, you know, us, my Chris, myself, the other guys in in our group chat, whatever, we were all saying, that's just a Braden Schneider hit. He throws five yeah. or six of those a night in the Western League, yeah. and the referees don't even notice. The thing that surprised me was that it was actually a Western League ref uh, that gave him the penalty, which I had to chuckle at because, you know, if he does that on a Wednesday night in Swift Current, it's probably not a penalty. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting, because I've had some debates with some of the guys that I talk to frequently uh, as well, and for Brandon, that was about as clean a check as as you can make. It was clearly a shoulder, but it was – unfortunately the contact was to the head and so the way i look at it i mean even in our leagues guys the way things have become so sensitive i kind of don't i I don't really have a problem with that because the rule is very clearly defined and so it it takes away the ambiguity of 
He was turning. He was shielding himself from the puck. This guy's taller. This guy's bigger, smaller, faster. It takes away all that ambiguity. It takes away any gray area. And I think we have, in our league and leagues everywhere, have tasked our referees with taking so much responsibility. Is this guy winning a race here? Where was he when, you know, the puck went, went by the icing line? Was it, was he going to, and, and all of these, these things where we, we put so much gray area and the responsibilities of their jobs, which are really difficult enough as it is when they have to call the things that are objective. So this is another one of those areas for me that, especially in our league and, you know, we're trying to protect kids and, and you do see a difference, you know, even some kids are coming to the league at 15 years old, they're getting their AP games in or whatever else. And they're playing against the guy who maybe at the end of the year has already turned 21. That's, that's a big difference in age. And so in order to protect the players and, and there's probably not a lot of Western hockey league fans that are going to like me saying this, but I kind of like the rule that, that it takes away all ambiguity, whether you're bigger, smaller, used your shoulder, whatever you used, if you hit the head, you're, you're going to serve a penalty. Now, maybe the penalty of a two and 10 is a little harsh. And then obviously the game that came after that, the game misconduct and, and in his case, the game. Uh, but we saw a lot of checks in that tournament that were, that were two and 10. So again, I don't really necessarily have a problem with it. I know for Brandon, he has to play that way. That's, that's his calling card. And he's going to be asked to play that way, you know, um, in the national hockey league. And he should be playing that way in the national hockey league. But I think at our level, it's a little bit different when you're talking about kids and, and minors and so on and so forth. In the NHL, when it's your bread and butter and it's your livelihood, I think it's a different story. And I do think that the responsibility, um, you know, the players is a lot different as well. It just shows the impact after, you know, probably the years of Rock'em Sock'em videos and Scott Stevens highlight hits. Uh, yeah. You know, it just kind of in is that is that ingrained, uh, you, you know, old school defender that you just don't mm-hmm. see anymore. That's just kind of what he tries to be. Um, and yeah, you're right. Until I guess the NHL though, you got to kind of watch just, just how Stevens like you can really get away with being. Well, you have to think about how many players are actually going to play in the national hockey league. And that percentage is so few. So when it gets to our league, you know, what's the percentage of players that, that get drafted into the NHL? What's the percentage of those players that actually play what an NHL, one NHL game, and then the percentage of players of what you would cons- uh, consider a career playing, you know, most most analytics looks at 200 games as an NHL career. That percentage is so minute that when you're looking at, you know, 21 other players uh, on the ice or 19 other players on the ice, you have to be cognizant of the fact that, you know, there's a pretty good chance that 19, you know, if you're, if you're taking 40 people, there's probably 38 of them that are, that'll never see a game and get paid to, to play professionally. So we have to take care of those people where they're going to be They're They're the doctors, the lawyers, they're the future of what our society is. And we, and we can't forget that. It certainly is a different way of looking at it. And I think, yeah. uh, although Brandon fans, especially because, you know, they, they were used to Chris Dingman and Jordan Tutu, they, they might be a little opposed to it, but when you break it down yeah. that way, it, it certainly uh, makes sense. And, and one thing too, that, um, you know, I, I liked about that, you know, that situation Braden was in was a lot of guys, you know, you're on the big stage. That's your first shift, second shift of the game that happens. You know, you're getting suspended. That could have rattled a kid to the core, to the point where he doesn't show up again. And I think that if you're the New York Rangers, you have to be quite happy with the way that he responded uh, to that. I want to touch a little bit, uh, get away from Schneider and, and touch a little bit about on another guy that probably had an opportunity to make the team, 
uh, or at least would have been given a, a good chance to try and uh, vie for a spot in, in Ridley Gregg, a guy I know you speak very highly of, uh, you know, in his draft with the Ottawa Senators back in whatever that was, October. Unfortunately for him, COVID has, has done a, a number on him and he's still working on recovering, getting back to 100%. But um, what do you think of Ridley Gregg and, and the way he's really developed and, and turned himself into a, a top prospect for an Ottawa team that's really done well on their rebuild? Yeah, no question. And he has to be really excited to be part of that on one hand, knowing that he's going to have an opportunity with that young group to maybe take things to the next level, but also um, it provides, uh, and I think in, in Ridley's case, probably something that he enjoys. It, it's going to provide a level of competition with players in, in, that are close to his age group that he hasn't seen before. So I also do think, you know, in terms of him and his personality in particular, and knowing him and his dad, uh, you know, fairly well, that uh, that would something he would he would definitely relish. So when it comes to his style of play, I think he's also another guy that benefited from from what Dave Lowry had to bring to the table because Dave was a he was a hard guy to play against. He was a he was a big guy. He was a miserable sob. Um, he still was as a coach too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm hoping he doesn't yeah. hear that because I'm sure he'll uh, he'll fi- he'll find a way to get me back for that thought. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, I can agree with that. Um, but really, I think the the perfect guy to mentor Ridley and the style of game that that he exhibited. So you're talking about a guy that's a throwback guy that you know he hits to let you know that he hit, not to separate man from puck, but to add a little bit more to it than that. And then the one thing that I think people fell asleep on a little bit was his skill. You know, ability to score goals, good playmaker. I mean, the skating, you know, was, that's, was one of the hallmarks of, of what his dad brought to the table. He wasn't at his dad's level, but you could see him progressing to get to that, to that level. And then you have the, the NHL bloodlines that always plays. I don't care what anyone says. If you have two players that you think are like players and maybe right here, right here, you're always going to side with the guy that's got NHL bloodlines. If you're, if you're drafted, that's the way it's gone for a hundred years. And, and you can understand why is because those players aren't rattled by what's going to be in front of them. They've either been taught that by their dad or they've been exposed to it by being in dressing rooms with their dad or, you know, in Ridley's case, maybe in rank scouting players and, and whatnot. Uh, so he, he does have that kind of in, in his back pocket. But I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his. I love the way he plays the game. You know, he's a power forward that probably in the in the Western Hockey League, he's got just enough size to be able to do that. Uh, but that's something that I think, you know, bigger, stronger, faster are all going to be things that he needs to work on in order to play that same style of game going into the pro level and eventually into the National Hockey League. But he was a guy I projected to go a little bit earlier in the first round. It kind of surprised me when we got down. To, to where he was there. And I thought, okay, well, this is uh, Kelly McCrimmon for sure is going to be, uh, you know, knocking on his door. And then as it turned out, uh, you know, the third or three first round picks by the Ottawa Senators and a, and a really good pick at that. Because when I look at what they did earlier in the draft, obviously you got Stutzla and he's a guy, maybe you project down the road to play center. You got Sanderson, who I thought the world of as, as the best defenseman in this draft class. I, I truly believe that projected him to be that for most of the year. And then I look at a guy like Ridley Gregg, who brings kind of a little bit of Jake Sanderson and a little bit of the skill of Stutzla. Yet, you know, he's a guy who can play center, can play wing for you as well. So uh, huge fan. Love the way he plays the game. I hope he's able to progress in a manner that will allow him to play that style of game at the next level. You know, he's also one of those guys, too, that when his game, when he rides the line, 
he can be a little bit aggressive or he can yeah, yeah. You know, pull a little bit back. And, uh, yeah, also agree for that. Uh, and just going back with a thought, just a, a, a few minutes, because we have talked about this on the podcast, like, way back when. But for those, uh, you know, who haven't listened, uh, you know, to, like, the early episodes, uh, we actually even had, you know, some of those uh, former Wee Kings on who went on to do other uh, you know, of course, non-hockey careers, which mm-hmm. we haven't done that in a while, Curl, but we should probably do, you know, do that again because we're very proud of the fact that every one of the players who plays in the WHL, that they are eligible to use that year of education at any Canadian university, uh, college, which, uh, you know, the majority of our players, that's where, you know, where they go. They go on to further their education. And from there, Sam, like even here locally, we got lawyers, we got doctors, we got, uh, you know, um, politicians. If you want to count them into, <laughs> into a better <laughs> category but uh, you know we got some very respected professions plus politicians um you know coming 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 out of the weeking organization um but uh, you know it's just yeah dr so, jeff know. mcintosh exactly former goalie he's my dentist he cleaned my teeth a couple of weeks ago we had a good chat about the weak kings there you go runs princess dental there's no free ads can we say that <laughs> <laughs> nice well there's a guy thing would know a thing or two about teeth i guess right <laughs> Uh, Chris, so you're right. We, with our, one of our first guests ever, and this is a guy that you probably uh, haven't thought of or heard his name in a while. One of our first guests originally, actually, he might have been our first guest ever, was uh, was Kurt Jory, who had a kind of a bounce around junior career, Moose Jaw brand, and then went to uh, Brock University, and of course had uh, the skate to the neck that caused a major injury. And he's actually used that to now be part of uh, a bigger cause, getting uh, young. Uh, Western Hockey League and, and Canadian Hockey League players to to donate uh, blood and to uh, to get tested for uh, the stem cell research as well. So it's it's strange how sometimes you think at 18 that hockey is the only thing that matters to you, and all of a sudden it uh, it changes. And I think uh, a little bit of uh, the COVID-19 thing has maybe changed that perspective for all of us that work in hockey as as well. And uh, Sam, before we let you go, we usually do a a, a wrap up of just some kind of behind-the-scenes, rapid-fire type questions to get to let our listeners know a little bit more about our guy, maybe away from what they already know about him. So I'll kick it off. It can be short, it can be long, yeah. it can be however you want. But uh, yeah. if what is what is your top broadcasting sports moment? You know, if you think of a moment, you close your eyes and go, that's the pinnacle of my career, what is it? Uh, oh, man, that... That's a that's a tough question because my first Memorial Cup in, in Moncton in 2006 was was really special. I mean that, and then you know, um, yeah, having gone on and done 13 more since that time, the first one was was really special and it was kind of cool because we had Dick Todd, who's legendary coach with the Peterborough Peets, Teddy Nolan, who who'd done a lot of things with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds back to back in 92 93. He was coaching Moncton. You had Patrick Waugh, who took over as owner of that team very early in the season. Um, and then you had Don Hay, um, you know, with all of his Memorial Cup experience going back to the Kamloops days. And, and so it, you had four legendary coaches. But, you know, I, I grew up in baseball. And so the weekend of October 7th and 8th, the 2010, I had the, the pleasure of calling one of the greatest debuts in Major League history. It was Jay Pierre and CBA went four for four, two doubles, two home runs, drove in six. Um, and then, uh, a day later, um, Brandon Morrow threw a one hitter and it got broken up with two outs in the ninth inning on a, on a weak ground ball by Evan Longoria to the right side that Aaron Hill actually caught and played. Uh, but it was such a weak ground ball and he was playing deep in the, you know, kind of in that hole between first and second that, that he couldn't throw him out. So doing those two games back to back, 
Toronto, Tampa, you know, was a good, was a good rivalry. It was, um, you know, my, my lone season of calling Blue Jays baseball, I grew up working in that organization. So, you know, those were, those are two pretty, pretty key moments, but it's, it, it, you're asking me for one, but it was that, that weekend. It just kind of came where, where both of those things happened and I had the opportunity to call them. So that was pretty cool. And I guess if I had to throw one more in the last, um, the last game uh, for the Montreal Expos at Olympic stadium, um, uh, was, was kind of, that was one of the most odd and bizarre things that I'll never forget with fans throwing golf balls in the field and Frank Robinson having to come out and tell the fans to stop and, and just thinking about how sad it was for the people of Montreal that they were losing their team. So those, those would be like a few moments that really jump out at me. So sorry you asked for one, but no, I, I forgot you did baseball, but now, yeah. now that you say that and, and you've mentioned Aaron Hill, I, it takes me back. Uh, I, I, you know, John McDonald and, and Aaron Aaron yeah. Hill up the middle. Like that's when I first became a Blue Jay fan. And now that I think about it, yeah, you were behind <laughs> the mic for a number of those games. So anyway, that's cool. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Are you on Spotify, Sam? No. Okay. I was going to ask about who are your top Spotify wrapped artists of the year. Maybe just tell us if you were to be on a streaming service or listen to a lot of music, yeah. who would be like your top artist that you listened to this past year? I do a lot of Jimmy Buffett. I'm a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. So he's a guy that kind of takes things back and is chill and is. Hence the long hair. It's kind of easy. <laughs> yeah, the easy, long easy. Hair, you definitely yeah. fit in with the Jimmy Buffett kind of crowd. Yeah. Wearing a Hawaiian shirt, too, for anybody that uh, <laughs> wants to imagine. <laughs> Crow, can yeah, you name so one I... Jimmy Buffett song? Uh, Margaritaville? Okay, name nice. one more. That's the only one <laughs> yeah, I got. Yeah, me too. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, uh, yeah. well, in that case, uh, what, what's the what's the ping pong paddle by, behind you there, Sam? What's the story behind that? Are you a big yeah, ping pong so, uh, champion, or? Well, I was on the, on this particular night, so I don't know if you can see it a little closer up there. I'll I'll show you. It says Smash Fest. So that was um, I got invited um, to play in Smash Fest, which was a Dom, Dominic Moore initiative. Um, that he started in um, with the NHLPA being in Toronto and a lot of guys based in Toronto in the off season, he held a ping pong tournament at uh, at a microbrewery that had kind of an outdoor element to it. So it's a really cool place. My a buddy of mine actually got married there uh, many moons ago, and so Dominic Moore held the held the tournament there, and they have an all pro uh, setup where just the, the the pro hockey players. So Patrick Eves is he's the like the undisputed champ when it comes to that <laughs> then they have like a, a pro-am so basically there's there's uh, two two people plus a pro so i was considered an am at a chiropractor uh, that we played with and william nylander was our pro and so we played you played doubles and then everyone just kind of rotates rotates in and out and we ended up winning it that year, the, the Pro-Am. So me, William Nylander, and, and I forget her name, but chiropractor, who she was awesome. She was really, really good and probably sealed it for us. So that was the, that's the trophy from, from Smash Fest there, uh, 2018 champs. There you go. Well, on that note, uh, I mean, that's just a unique trophy to begin with. But you got lots of pucks <laughs> behind you, lots of golf balls. When you spun the camera on, we saw your baseball collection. And I believe you have a wall of bats somewhere, too. Is that am I, I correct? I do. Yeah. So what's, so, your favorite, what's your favorite piece that you would, you know, if, you're, if you had to leave your house for whatever reason, you could take one piece with you, which one are you grabbing? Yeah, that that's a good one. It would probably be my um, my Regina Pats 100th Memorial Cup. Com, uh, commemorative jersey 
Um, you know, for me, that's kind of the epitome of what, what my job's been for the most part. And being able to call the hundredth was really, really special. Like, you know, I think back to that time and, and, you know, the Pats did such a good job and I, I bugged them for a while about getting me a Jersey and they were finally able, able to get me an authentic Jersey that, that I can hang in my basement. But, uh, is that the that maroon, probably, maroonish one? Like it's, the darker it's blue. Red? It's, it's no, no, it's, it's a blue one and it's got, um, Oh, the one so they wore at the tournament, not during the yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. no, yeah, the one they wore at the tournament. Yeah, so so that was pretty cool. But you know what? Really funny story about those bats. So when I was 16 years old, I worked for the Toronto Blue Jays. I was a, a bat boy and a ball boy for the visiting teams. And what would happen was uh, at the end of each homestand, uh, and this, is, this story will tell you how much things have changed in sports. So at the end of each homestand, uh, the, there was a bat boy, a ball boy, uh, and then three clubhouse uh, attendants, okay? And and they'd work in there. We'd do all the laundry. We would unpack the bags. And then during the course of the game at Exhibition Stadium, I'd work down the right field line. I'd protect the catcher when because at that time the bullpens were in play. So anyways, long story short of it is whenever a, a visiting player cracked a bat, we'd put it aside, and then at the end of every homestand, we'd have a draft. And so you'd have all kinds of guys that, you know, this is Manny Ramirez, you know, Albert Bell, Raphael Pomar. There's all kinds of guys that, you know, when I was working there, started there in the 80s. Um, and, and we'd have a draft. So all those bats are essentially crack bats. Now, there's a couple in there. Shannon Stewart, Jose Canseco, um, you know, Sean Green, good friends of mine from when I worked with the Blue Jays that personally signed stuff to me. The late Tony Fernandez is, is something that I'll, I'll forever cherish. And that might be the other item that that I would take with me because Tony was such an he was such an unbelievable guy. Um, so so that's how that bat collection came about. And I tried to build a you know some racking around the the basement there with the jerseys up top and and then the bats down down there in the, in the bottom. But those are for the most part they're all game used cracked bats from a from a wide assortment of players from Ron Washington to to Albert Bell and, and so on. So that's what that stuff is. Well, it must be nice to have a wife that hasn't turned your sports memorabilia lounge into a home gym because um, I got a lot of cool stuff, but it's all in Rubbermaid totes in a green bin at the farm. So (laughs) maybe someday I'll I'll Hey, you know what, though, Crow? At least she's the one using the home gym and not trying to make you use it. So just just, (laughs) just, just be thankful, hey? Just be thankful there. The first time that uh, we do a a crow's nest and it's up on that brand new Jumbotron at the rink and uh, she sees uh, how wide everything looks on that screen. I'm pretty sure she'll have my feet taped inside the exercise. And you'll be back going on. There you go. <laughs> well, Sam, this was awesome. I, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I, I do want to give thanks, and I have to say this because he texted me today and told me I had no choice. I got your contact information from former weekend coach Dave Anning, who, of yeah. course, uh, says hello. Uh, but, of course, him and uh, his partner, Jen, have started a, a new bus company called Compass Coach Line. So he wanted me to throw no in a free plug for Compass Coach Lines. They're driving around all the MJ teams and the AAA midget teams. They got some real no nice buses. Way. It's unbelievable. Yeah, actually. you know what, Sam? And actually, well, yeah, unbelievable like, guy. Yeah, they unbelievable got, they got guy. three real Huge good fan. ones, and they just did a big thing as, as, as well for like a big Christmas parade when it was the Christmas season as well to help kick it off for doing some charity work. And yeah, I know DA still doing some good stuff around Brandon. Well, no, no doubt he'd be a successful guy in whatever whatever venture he was 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 going to be in. But I thought he did a hell of a job as the Wheaties coach. I think Don is going to do a great job with all of his. Vast experience, and then um, my my good buddy here from Ontario, Todd Miller, making his way out there. So, 
I think he's going to be doing some stuff there as well. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to getting everyone back on the ice and, and hopefully there's an opportunity to get back there again and see that nice new uh, Jumbotron. Yeah, yeah, that'd be uh, be nice to see in Brandon. It's been a long time uh, since uh, you've come through the the Wheat City, and it seems like it's been a long time since any of us have been in the press box. But we uh, have yeah. to get some haircuts for me and Sam, and, <laughs> and I got to grow mine out, and we have to grow <laughs> out crows. So it's going to be a little bit of time here. But uh, there we go. Oh, one. Nice. Start, uh, yeah, there we nice. Go. Awesome. You guys look like a couple of hippies. <laughs> I feel like it. Thanks a lot, Sam. Really appreciate you doing this with us here this week. Yeah, right on, Chris. Brandon, thanks for having me on, guys. See you later. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wheat Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wheat Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest. Oh, 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 oh,